So today I'm going to attempt to do something I don't think I've ever done before. So I'm going to attempt at least to preach a message on a topic that the Bible simply doesn't care about. Um, We're talking today about personality. And when I use that word, I also mean temperament, disposition, kind of how you are wired. We are obsessed with personality, uh, but the Bible is not. Um, now, this notion of, of temperament, it, it predates Christianity. It's not like the, it, this wasn't out in the world all the way back to the time of Hippocrates in the 4th century before Christ, describing just the, the kind of the classic temperaments. Uh, but the biblical writers don't focus too much on it. And we've been working our way through this series we're calling SHAPE. It's an acronym. And the other aspects of SHAPE, S is for spiritual gifts. The Bible says, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given for the common good. So we should know and use our spiritual gifts. H is heart. The Bible talks a lot about the human heart. Uh, But essentially, as we put God in his proper place, then our hearts align with his. So as as we delight ourselves in God, he gives us the desires of our heart. Uh, The Bible talks about uh, A in shape is abilities. That everything that we're able to do, we can do for the glory of God. That whether we eat or drink or whatever we have the capacity to do, we can do it for God's glory. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, our experiences. And Scripture teaches that God is redeeming our experiences, good and bad, and using them all to to shape us and uh, so that we can serve and minister to others. But the Bible doesn't care about your personality. Um. Now, the framework of this whole series is the notion that we are each God's workmanship, as Scripture says, that God has created us each uniquely um, to do good things, that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared for us, uh, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2. And so we want to know how God has made us, that we might do these good things that he's prepared for us. So it's good to understand how God has shaped us, including kind of how we're wired, our personality. Um, But I'll say there is no right or wrong temperament for God to use you. You The right personality for ministry, so to speak. Um, And there isn't a temperament that God can't use. If you think about somebody who's just so bold and zealous or somebody else who's so hesitant and reserved, God can use either. God can use both. God can use you as you are wired because God is greater than your personality. He's greater than your temperament. Um, So while the Bible doesn't put a lot of emphasis on personality, the Bible does put a lot of emphasis on your character. The, The authors of Scripture care about your attitudes and your behaviors. It's really the key here is God's wisdom. How do I, however I'm wired, apply God's wisdom to my life and avoid folly, avoid foolishness? And depending on how you're wired, you might be prone to folly in different areas of your life. And you might have other, you know, we all have different strengths and weaknesses. So we're prone to fall and fail in different ways. And we might uh, be prone to excel in other ways. Um, So it's really more about understanding God's wisdom, however you're wired. 
And, and quite honestly, the other reality is that sometimes we have to go against our natural inclinations. We have to kind of work against our personality. You know, if you're very introverted, sometimes you have to get beyond that. God is calling you to do things that bring you beyond your comf- where you're comfortable and vice versa. People who are very extroverted may need to focus time in solitude and God can use that. So it's, it's not a it's, personality, temperament, it's not a neat category but I do want to explore this, so we'll see how this goes. And so we need God's grace for sure. So let's pray. Um, Father, as we explore this, the first thing we want to know is your heart. We want to know you more. And you've revealed yourself to us through your world and through your word. And so help us to know you. And then in light of that, help us to know our own hearts and where you're calling us to grow and how you are redeeming us and and shaping us and moving us forward for for your glory, Lord. So I pray that in this time we might in some way grow and that you would be pleased and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Personality. You read the scripture. There's a lot of personalities in scripture, and you could kind of analyze that. Just look at the 12 disciples. These are the first followers of Jesus. They're all, they're, these are some very different people. you got someone like Peter who has a very strong personality. You know, Jesus nicknames him Rock. You know, we're going to call you Rock. And he was uh, strong. He's, he rebuked Jesus because Jesus was talking about his death. He's like, Jesus, don't talk about that. He's the one who said, you know, very impulsive, Jesus, if... If everyone, even if we have to die for you, you know, we'll never abandon you. And then that night abandons Jesus, denies even knowing him. Just very, just kind of, a real kind of extreme personality. Then you've got James and John, the disciples. Jesus calls them sons of thunder. That was their nickname. They're the ones who got rebuffed in this one town. And they said, hey, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to torch them and judge them and... But John himself, also with a very relational and tender heart, he, he called himself the beloved disciple or the disciple that Jesus loved. That he had a close, intimate relationship with Jesus. Such that when Jesus is going to the cross, literally carrying his cross, he's, he, his mother Mary is there with John and he said, son, this is your mother, mother, this is your son. Basically, take care of my mother while I go do this. That's how close and relational John was. You got a disciple like Thomas, the, you know, the doubter. He said, you know, unless I touch the scars with my own hand, I will not believe. You know, do a Myers-Briggs on him. Is he a sensate or an intuitive? Like, clearly needs to touch and see. Um, but you see that these, they're all so different, and yet God uses them to accomplish his good purpose. You could look at the Old Testament. Very famous leader like Moses and a very famous uh, prophet, Isaiah. Both of these men were given an an amazing vision of God, of the presence of God. And uh, you have Moses at the the burning bush and you have Isaiah with this grand vision of God enthroned. Um, And so so Moses, God says to him, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? 
bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He goes on to say, what if they don't believe me? And he says, I've never been eloquent. And he says, quote, Exodus 4.13, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. Isaiah, when God says, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? He says, Here I am, send me. So you have two men. One says, Please send someone else. And you have another one who says, Send me. Very different response. Very different sort of personality. Very different wiring. Yet God used them both powerfully for his purposes. If you look at how Jesus approached, just read through the Gospels, just how Jesus healed blind people. There's at least four different ways that Jesus healed different blind people. One, he just speaks. The other, he touches. The other, he puts something on their eyes. Another one, he says, go wash. And here, some done publicly, some take the, the guy privately and heal. And it was all these different ways that God approaches people in different places. So God can use people in different places. God approaches us in different places. We see personality all throughout Scripture. You could give the Bible to a psychologist and say, hey, do a little psychoanalysis on all the characters in Scripture. You could do that. It's fun. It's cute. But for us, the point is there's no one temperament that God's looking for. There's not one preferred thing that God seems to use. God meets people where they're at, redeems them, and points them forward. Hey, that's good news for us. Because however you're inclined, however you're wired, however bold or weak or where you're at, God will meet you there as you put your faith in him and push you forward. He wants to use us, all of us. Now, we come to this passage that was read for us today, Romans 14. And the reason I'm drawn to this passage as we think about this topic is that if we all have very different personalities, we're all wired different, and God is calling us together to work together to accomplish things, there's going to be some friction there. Conflict, fights. And here in Romans 14, for these young Christians, there was a fight. And the fight was about, it was, again, there's things that are right and wrong, but there's other issues that are kind of gray area, the kind of disputable matters. That's what we're talking about here. It was about food. Verse 2 says, One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. So there was one group who said, Hey, we need to be careful not to eat food that's considered unclean and follow the dietary laws of the Old Testament. And another group said, Nope okay to eat whatever you want. Also, about special days, verse 5. One person considers one day more sacred than another, and another considers every day alike. Again, you have one group who said, we need to observe, uh, whether it was the Sabbath day or festival days, or we need to observe these days more strictly. And another group said, nope, we're free to just live every day the same. You know, God's the same every day. The one group who's referred to as the weak in this, kind of a, uh, sort of a weak or sensitive conscience we could think of, this is, this is a group that emphasizes obedience. We need to be as obedient as we can. We need to avoid anything that would pollute. We need to be strict in our observance of what we eat and, and how we worship. 
The other group is described as the strong. They're the ones who are emphasizing liberty. Hey, we've been, we've been freed. So we, one group wants to please God with obedience. The other wants to just experience God very freely. Can you see how personality might play in there? People are just wired differently. Some people are just way more sensitive than other people. So who's, who's right? Who's wrong here? Well, the, this text teaches really that, in a sense, both groups are right. Verse 6. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. Whoever abstains does so to the Lord and give, gives thanks to God. He said to the extent that both groups are trusting God and giving thanks to God for their decision, they're both fine. Neither is really doing something that's sinful. Even though they have very different, they're landing in very different places on this issue, both sides are, are okay. The problem is they're judging each other and they're starting to look down on each other. But who's wrong here? Somebody's got to be wrong. So here, it's the, what he's calling the weak, or the ones who are focusing on obedience. They're technically wrong on the issue. Verse 14. He says, I'm convinced in the Lord nothing is unclean in itself. He said, technically, they're wrong. You actually can eat meat. You don't, Jesus has fulfilled all the requirements of the law, and all, of, all your purity and righteousness comes from Jesus, not from observing these food laws. You're not going to pollute yourself with that. It's actually okay to eat meat. So technically, you're wrong. The good news of Jesus is not about do's and don'ts. It's not about following all these religious rules. It's about, it's not do versus, it's not um, do and don't. It's about do versus done. It's what Jesus Christ has accomplished on the cross. That it, it satisfies everything and forgives all your sin. And that's the, the key here. And they were taking kind of a peripheral issue and making it central to their faith. This issue about what you should eat or how to observe these um, ceremonies and things. Those things are not central to Christian maturity, and so th their focus was a little bit off. So they were, in a sense, they were wrong. But this also teaches that the other side was also wrong. The side that's emphasizing uh, liberty. Say, okay, we are free from those things. Yes, but, verse 15, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. He's saying you're wrong because you're not being loving. You're causing your, your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're causing them to stumble, or you might cause them to violate their own conscience. So, in a sense, you're both wrong. And it's interesting here that there's more criticism to the group that was technically right. They are, as you heard that read, they were more criticized because they, the way that they were being right was very unloving. You know, some people think, you know, I've even heard people say, hey, I'm doing what's right, so I don't care if you're offended. But that's not a biblical attitude. You don't have a license to offend just because you're right. Now, some people will be offended no matter what you do. But there's a difference between somebody being offended and you being offensive. Does that make sense? 
You can be right and offensive. That's not good. You can be right and people may not like it. That's, that happens. Um, and again, the context here is these are all Christians and they're, it's debatable kind of gray area stuff. That's an important context here. And the key is, listen, when we're in that kind of a space, don't judge others, accept the differences. You know, some people are going to be more sensitive. Be careful, be loving of how you exercise your faith. And the key is that Jesus is Lord of all. Verse 8, if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. Listen, Jesus is Lord. Everybody is going to have to stand before Christ someday and give account. That's the judgment. That's, it's not for you to just bicker and fight over these you know, disputable kind of matters. So be careful not to carelessly harm or offend people for no reason. Verse 19, let us therefore, on the other hand, let us make therefore every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. And we can live this out together as a church. So we're all wired very different. We may land in different places on some of these issues that we need to seek to live at peace with one another, to build one another up. And then you can actually take that and live it out on the front lines of your life as well. When you go to work, you're going to work with people with different personalities and different temperaments, and you have an opportunity to be a peacemaker in those places. You can build people up by seeking to live this certain way. Uh, So this is just a great... I think a good example for us of how we live as people who are wired different, landing in different places, but being careful to love, and that Jesus is Lord. That's the primary focus. So how do we apply this now um, as, we, as we see? Because really this whole notion of understanding how God has shaped us, including our personality, our temperament, uh, to serve. And again, God is greater than your personality. He meets you where you're at, but in a lot of ways, it's easy. I don't know if you've ever done woodworking. I know some of you are kind of into that. It's a lot easier to work when you're doing work with the grain than against it. And I think the same is true here. If we understand kind of how we're wired, it, it, it can be more fruitful and productive to go in line with that rather than to be fighting against it. So let me give you four common, just quickly on these, four common aspects of our personality that, are helpful to understand as you consider how God has shaped you. The first is introvert-extrovert. This is is classic uh, temperament personality stuff. Me, I'm kind of near the middle, but I'm definitely introvert. And people people assume I'm an extrovert because I do this. Like, (laughs) here I am. This is a very kind of extroverted thing. But if you think about preparing to do this is a very introverted kind of thing, where I sit alone and prep and that that feeds my soul in so many ways. But I am kind of on the line. So I, I really do recharge when I'm alone and in solitude. But then when I'm in groups, I sometimes do extroverted behaviors, like trying to be the center of attention and things like that. So I'm, I don't quite fit the, the mold with that. But I did. I used to have an office at the parish house across the street. For five years, I had an office at the back of the parish house. That was the best. There was... Hardly ever people there. Sometimes a coworker, but often nobody. 
I got so much work done. I felt so productive. At the end of the day, I felt I have accomplished things and I got through my to-do list. I loved it. And now I have a lovely office over here on this side of the street, not complaining. Hobby, remember our former youth pastor, he got my old office over there. And he came over the first week. He's like, there's no people over there. I said, yeah, isn't that great? He said, no. I said, it's so quiet. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, no. I don't even think he lasted two weeks over there. Three weeks? We were, we were debating that earlier. He had to move over. He's like, I can't handle it. Because it's just wired so differently. I thrived when I had space and quiet. He needed the people around him. It's just... And so for you, I, this is a, you know, whether you focus on tasks that are team tasks or solo tasks, you know, this might shape that. And again, God may be leading you against your temperament to go beyond that in some ways. So it's not, um, but it's being awareness, being aware so you can recharge as you need to. Um, the second aspect of personality is what I'll call task-oriented versus relationship-oriented. You know, are you more, when you're, Working on something, are you more focused on the relationships or the tasks? Both are necessary. And some people would say, well, shouldn't relationships always be more important than tasks? They're always important. The tasks are important, too. If we're trying to accomplish something, you got to get the job done. Um, But you might want to position yourself accordingly if you know that you're going to be more focused on a task or a relationship. Similar to that, I think... There are thinkerers and tinkerers. So there's those who like to think, and there's those who like to tinker. So there, there's certain ways that you might serve or use your gifts that are more thinking, whether you're teaching or uh, leading a small group discussion or that sort of thing, or where you're just using your hands. Some people really just thrive by like digging a ditch or cooking a meal, or you want to touch and do. You want to be physically tired when you're done, and other people want to be more kind of mentally, you know, I've done the, the mentally tiring stuff. So that's kind of the third one. Know if you're a tinkerer or a thinkerer. Um, and it's fun to watch tinkers try to thinker and vice versa. But anyway, and then high risk, low risk. You know, some people just want predictable, you know, don't take big risks. And other times, you know, you want to take risks. You want to try new things, and let's do it. Let's go. And if you get though, if you're working with someone, if you're kind of high risk and somebody's low risk, you, there's going to be a rub there. It's like, hey, let's go do it. Well, what if, what if not everybody's included, or what if we forgot something, or what if we're not ready? You say, no, no, we're ready. We'll we'll find a way to get ready. Or you, that this kind of thing, how to align yourself with these things. But again, it's all about God's wisdom. Just like you can't just follow your heart. You know, we can't just follow what is our natural inclination. We always need to seek the Lord's wisdom because there's those, we all have strengths and liabilities and God is redeeming us. Uh, If you haven't found your place of service, um, you know, how has God shaped me and how you use that? We just want to encourage you to just keep, we've got a couple more weeks of this left. Um, We have different resources that we can point you to. In the next couple weeks, we'll have lots of opportunities that we can present to you. We'd love for everybody to know. And again, not just in the church, but in your everyday life, there's ways that you use all these things for God's glory. He created us all so different. We relate differently. We react differently. We, uh, we feel differently. We respond to life. Um, 
God didn't make you to please other people, and he didn't make other people to please you, for sure. He made us to please him. He's going to meet you where you're at. Jesus Christ died to forgive us, to redeem us, to make us new, that we might become more and more like Christ. So all of who you are is being transformed and redeemed. God is greater than your personality. He's bigger than your temperament. And he wants to use you how you are wired. Let us pray. Father, thank you that you care enough about us to meet us where we're at. We desire to be a people who just live life for you. Understanding you, understanding ourselves, and just the the beautiful ways that you have called us and equipped us to be your people. Help us to know it more and more. Help us to use it for your glory. When we fall short, your grace is right there, Lord. Help us to just constantly be um, relying on your grace and seeking you together as we serve. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.